Today's edition of the podcast is brought to you by CoachMe Plus. CoachMe Plus is the leader in athlete management software and a product that I've been lucky enough to be using for a little over a year now. Only rivaled by the impeccable customer service that Kevin and his staff provides, CoachMe Plus's ability to constantly be amoeba-like in their ability to mold and, and matriculate what you're trying to get across and bring together is, is absolutely fantastic. Their constant pursuit of better ways and better methods and, and innovations and progress to their own product is absolutely fantastic. Go over to CoachMePlus.com, check out what they got, guys. It's, uh, it's something that I guarantee you won't be disappointed with. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Today, guys, I get to sit down and discuss real-world sports science with Aspire Academy's Marco Cardinale. Guys, Marco starts out by sharing us, you know, sharing with us what he's been up to down in Qatar and how this program is being built. We then get into his actual role, where it fits in the grand scheme of things of what they're doing down there, uh, you know, what they're doing and how they're progressing and even into how they identify athletes to bring into the program. We then discuss how his role fits into how, they're, how they've built this program in, in a global sense and, and the different roles that he has when it comes to you know, athletic improvement and working with the kids and then also with research, um, which gets us into the last thing that we finished in talking about how they're progressing forward using research and real-world sports science to not just help improve what they're doing, but publish papers to improve the sport performance world for all of us. It's really an awesome talk, guys. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Let's get right to it. All right, here we go. Marco, thanks for being on with us today, guy. Thanks a lot for the for the invitation to have a chat. It's good to talk to you again after such a long time. Yeah, man, it's been what since since BSNPG, right? Yes, twenty thirteen. It's uh, it's four years ago. Yeah. Time goes. No, it does. It it flies by, and that's what we were just talking about off camera a little bit. That you've been down there for for four years already, which blows my mind. So let's catch everybody up with Marco. Like, what? Where are you? What are you? What are your new responsibilities, and 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 what's going forward down there? Uh, so I four years ago I moved to Aspire Academy. My previous role was the head of sports science and research for Team GB, the British Olympic team, and uh, I've been now for four years at Aspire Academy, where I'm the head of sports physiology and biochemistry. So my main responsibility is to make sure we deliver physiology and biochemistry services to Aspire Academy and. Uh, federations um, that we have um, agreements with in Qatar uh, and uh, that consists of the usual activities of a physiology department so from testing athletes to monitoring training loads to assessing their progress their growth and maturation and also we do a little bit of research uh, in the little amount of spare time that we have left uh, for the people that don't know Aspire Academy, uh, they can go on the website www.aspire.qa. Uh, it's a sports academy based in the state of Qatar uh, in the Middle East. Uh, it was built around 11 years ago and it was uh, an idea of, uh, of, of the Emir of Qatar and actually his son, Sheikh Jassim. So it's a visionary project 
um, aimed at developing sporting talent and champions in life for the state of Qatar, uh, but also is very ambitious because the ambition for the area is to be uh, the best sports academy in the world by 2020. So it's a very exciting project. Yeah, and, and an ambitious one too, to, to make that big of a jump. Absolutely. It's, uh, well, that's what attracted me here was to, to go for a, a long-term project with a big vision. And, uh, and I have to say we're working hard to make sure we can, uh, we can execute that vision. Yeah, no, and it sounds like a, an absolutely fascinating thing. And you're also directly involved with, with specific sports as well on top of that, correct? Yes, we are uh, um, working with uh, the following sports. We work with uh, athletics is our biggest program. Uh, we work with squash, table tennis, uh, fencing, uh, and um, we have little, a little number of athletes in other sports. We have the golfers, swimmers, uh, gymnasts, a couple of weightlifters uh, historically, but these are the big four sports. The academy also has a football academy which is a separate department um, that tries to develop the football national teams for the uh, Qatar World Cup, the football World Cup, soccer for the American, uh, for our American friends. Um, uh, So we work mainly with them. Uh, Academy students are age 12 to 18. It's kind of a special high school. And then we have uh, the best ones are retained on a scholarship program. And we also work with some senior squads uh, with the national federations. Yeah. And, that's a huge array of athletes and athletic quality. So let's talk about how you guys are looking at all of them and how you're monitoring and, and running the whole physiology, biochemical aspect of it. So we have, uh, the, the first thing to say is that we, uh, we're part of a, of a multidisciplinary team that looks after the athletes. Uh, there is uh, physiotherapists, uh, medical doctors, psychologists, biomechanists, performance analysts, training conditioning coaches, nutritionists, nurses, uh, psychologists. We have, we have really everything here. And on campus, there is a specialized uh, sports medicine hospital called ASPETA, uh, which is a national center of excellence for FIFA and the IOC as well. So um, it's, it's an entire zone that tries to support the athletes. We also have a department in logistics that deals with events. Uh, so it's a big, big, big operation. It's a, it's a very large organization here. Um, the way the academy works is uh, we select and identify talent by a talent identification program that runs in schools. So every year there is about 4,000 um, students that get tested in grade six in school. And then uh, we select the best 200 first, and then they get further testing, then the last 100 further testing until we identify around 20 to 30 students that get offered a place uh, in the academy. And we work, uh, we work together with the federations and uh, with, uh, with clubs on that. Uh, and we now started a new program in schools to foster talent so that there is super schools that have got some support to the to deliver sports programs in the afternoon with a view to develop some more skills in the kids and ideally increase the the size of the uh, talent uh, pool that, that we can have you know this is a society where sport is a relatively new aspect um, there are uh, pretty big um, environmental challenges 
uh, it's pretty hot uh, for most of the year, so playing outside is is really not an option. Plus, just like every other society, uh, has been affected by technology, so children don't play much. Um, so, in order to develop their motor skills, we now have this program. So, the students come in the school uh, in the academy. And they go to school every day. So we have a, an internationally certified school here. So they are taught in English and Arabic. And uh, it goes from grade 7 to grade 12. Uh, and they train. Uh, so in the, they arrive here in the morning. And, and they go to the school. Then they have the first training session at 10 a.m., 10.15. Then they have the t second training session at uh, 4 o'clock. Uh, more or less at the same time, all the sports. Uh, every day. There is some students that live here on site, some students that arrive by bus every day and they go home every day. They are provided with uh, three meals, with snacks, with uh, school lessons, with school activities, um, and, and then training. So it's quite an intense program for these children uh, to be on for seven years. Uh, one of the challenges we have here is the lack of competition. It's a small country, so just to put it into perspective for the people that don't know Qatar, the, the population we are tapping in is the local population. They are about 300,000 people, more or less. So we test about 4,000 kids in grade six. Uh, and out of these uh, 300,000 people, we try to find people that can develop into international athletes. So probably, uh, let's say, it's probably the same amount of people you find living in a block in New York, uh, pretty, pretty much, uh, in terms of size. And then uh, we, we, we've had some good success over the years. So uh, we had uh, five athletes going to the Olympic Games in Rio. One got a silver medal coming back, Mutas Barshin. We have a few athletes at the World Championships in athletics this week. So uh, things have gone pretty well for the academy, I have to say. So... Uh, you know, considering the size of the challenge. But it's a, it's a very uh, complex operation. Uh, and then competition, because of lack of competition, these students are actually very fortunate because they get to travel the world to compete. Um, you, you can imagine if you are a, a very good sprinter, you don't have a lot of competition in Qatar. You know, you, if you run fast, uh, there is nobody who can really beat you. Uh, you get lucky if you get another boy that is as fast as you. Um, and so what we have to do is we have to take the, the, the athletes around the world for competitions um, to, to be able to increase their quality. And, for example, the football program, not only they travel internationally, they organize almost on a monthly basis a big tournament. They invite teams from abroad uh, to play. So our boys in the football program would play against Real Madrid, LA Galaxy, Barcelona, all, all, all the big teams on a regular basis. That's awesome, and that's uh, that's a pretty nice compliment to put the LA Galaxy in the same sentence as Barcelona and Real Madrid. Um, but let's back up a little bit. Something that I would be really interested to hear about is how you guys are identifying the athletes. So what evaluations and examinations or whatever it may be are you looking at with these sixth graders? That's what, like 11-year-olds, 12-year-olds? Yeah, the program is run by the talent ID department. It's there is in the initial phase they are looking for um, like generic phenotypes, uh, sprinting, jumping, running. So, um, are there very fast boys? Are there very endurance boys? Are there very powerful, strong boys? Uh, that's the first question. Or are there boys that 
that have a bit of a mix of qualities. Uh, and that is the, the purpose of this phase is actually to screen the, the kids with athletic abilities that are very well defined and marked from kids that don't have any uh, or have very limited athletic abilities. So that's the first uh, filter. And then in the second stage, uh, further testing is introduced to look at other skills, uh, first to confirm those phenotypes, uh, and then the other one is to look at other skills like hand-eye coordination, uh, visual abilities, and, and all that kind of stuff, because we have uh, table tennis and squash and fencing, uh, our three sports that are in our program. Uh, and then after that phase, we're looking at the last 100, uh, and there is a plethora of assessments like psychological assessment, uh, schooling assessment, education, but also they spend uh, three, four days in our academy with the coaches, and, and the coaches assess their coachability. So is this student, is this young boy capable of learning? Is he keen? Is he passionate about the sport? So they try to assess all these things and a little bit of their technical abilities within the sport if they are already into the sport of choice. So it's a, it's a very long process. We start this in October. We finish the first phase around December. And then there is a second phase around February. And then March, April is the third phase. And then the offer goes in April, uh, if I remember well the dates. Uh, and they are confirmed by May. And then students are enrolled for the next year. But we now have a, a more fluid system whereby, you know, boys that are not progressing uh, at the right level or are not interested in sport or, or are losing interest, we can uh, remove them, move them to normal schools. Uh, and we can entry students that were on part-time programs or can, that can show ability and willingness uh, and so they enter the program at different stages so it's a, it's a lot more fluid than it used to be before we have different points of entry and access into the system no and i think that's awesome because just you know the, the amount of change that's going to go from 11 to 15 could be you know astronomical so that's really cool that you guys allow that flexibility and the fluidity within the program yeah it, it's very important at that age very, very important because, you know, some kids lose interest in sport or they suddenly gain some, plus they grow at different pace, a different level. So it's, it is very important to have points of entry and exit, I think, in the pipeline. So now let's take a step back and talk about your role with them. And let's talk about what different things you're looking at when it's talking about the sports science realm of it, the, the physiological and biochemical monitoring of these athletes. Well, what we do is uh, first we try to build a profile of what it takes to win um, at junior and youth level. You know what what is important for the what what should these kids do to excel at regional, national, international level. So, for example, you know international level, what are the standards to qualify for the world youth and the world junior championships? These are the kind of international benchmarks. And then, what are the standards to win? Uh, in Asia, which is our continent, and and then what are the standards to to win and excel in the GCC, which is the the, the Council of Middle East countries? So these are the kind of three levels. We don't look at national level because the level of competition is so small. And you know, in in an ideal world, we think that and actually our boys do they do win all the national championships. So that's the kind of easy task. It's a given. 
so physiologically, what we then try to do is, in sports where physiology is very important, is like, for example, athletic endur athletics endurance. We look at the different events. We look at what's important. And then we assess the physiological qualities of the boys with the laboratory testing and field testing. So we define uh, where they're at, how far they are from where they should be, and what needs to be done. We then use this information to uh, devise uh, an individualized training program. Uh, and then with physiology, what we do, we make daily assessment of training loads. So, uh, for example, my endurance boys, uh, every single session they do in the gym or on the track is monitored. So they have a GPS, they have an accelerometer, they would have... Um, devices in the gym, the training program is written with a software called Visual Coach Pro, and everything goes into a database. So every week the coach receives a report of what's been happening on every individual boy, what's the training load progression, where they are, and on a monthly basis we review all our boys uh, individually. So what they've done, how they're progressing, where they're going, if there's been any injury. Um, so we try to build the evidence around it. Uh, so we can have conversations that are factual. Uh, so, for example, you know, how much work has this boy done and what needs to be done here uh, and how they are progressing. Uh, we check also their progress in competition. So all the competitions are into the database. We look at how they are, they are doing. And, uh, and what we do is we do three medical screenings per year. Uh, so with my biochemistry staff, we look at a comprehensive blood profile to look at specific issues. So for example, we know that in this population we have a prevalence of uh, vitamin D uh, insufficiency of about 80 to 90%. So it's very important that we screen it and we put the proper countermeasures in place. We have uh, iron deficiency issues in about 60% of the population. So we need to look at how we deal with it on an individual basis. Uh, we have about 20% incidence of uh, some sort of hematology issues from thalassemia to microcytosis and all that kind of stuff. So we, we know how to deal with it. Uh, and then from time to time, we get somebody that gets ill. So we can, we can have a look at why and if their immune profile is suppressed and, and all that kind of stuff. But we also look at uh, dietary needs. Uh, and then other things that we do with physiology is also we try to... Um, study individual training sessions or individual activities that the coaching staff does so we can provide them with more and better information on what they need to change. So for example, uh, in uh, uh, fencing last year, uh, we noticed that the intensity of the fencing sessions was very low. Uh, and so with the head coach, we use the real time system. Uh, so, uh, while the boys are sparring, they see their uh, uh, heart rate and their activity happening at the same time, and so do the coaches. And the coach, the head coach, wants a precise intensity, so he can tell them, look, the intensity is too low, so they can change the way they fight uh, during the bout, or he can identify what's the best pairing to make sure that the intensity of their session is, is accurate. So that stimulates a lot of conversations uh, from the coaches on what they need to change and you know what they need to do. Uh, or one other thing that we do is we compare the physiological demands of sessions in athletics. So we build a database for a coach. He can click on uh, uh, a name and then he sees all the sessions that this athlete is doing. 
and compare like for like. So for example, he, this particular coach used three different types of Farclay combinations. He could see what were the demands in terms of, you know, how much time they spent in a certain percentage of heart rate, how many calories were expended. So we, we try to build knowledge that the coaches can use. And then when we do the assessment and we review their profile, then we tell them how they are progressing. So for example, a boy is actually uh, growing, so he's getting taller, he's getting a bit heavier, but his aerobic capacity is developing uh, well, so there's no issue, or the opposite, you know, you get somebody that actually is not developing, has put on a bit of weight, so we have to be careful because it's a growth phase, or it's been growing a lot vertically in the last uh, two months, so we need to be careful with training load. So we, we try to build this uh, on a daily basis, and we reflect on the data periodically, probably at the end of each year, we go and look back and what the issues are and, and how we need to change. So we, uh, our big help is a large database uh, called SmarterBase that, that I um, kind of run with another couple of colleagues. It's one of my jobs to, to make sure that the database is working, is up to date. I develop the ways of capturing data. And it's been a great resource for us because it allows us to... Uh, to discuss about each individual athlete with the information rather than being opinion-based. You know, I, I see this, I see that. It's actually, it, it's populated with numbers. That's awesome. So you built that yourself for Aspire? No, what, what I do, the, the way SmartBase works, it's, um, uh, it's a database uh, produced by Fusion, and uh, we have uh, four, four people that have... Uh, uh, builder's license, um, and so I'm one of the builders, which means I can build uh, ways of capturing data, so forms where data are, are calculated, are um, collected. I can build calculations within the data, and I can build reporting tools. So this is, this is what I've been doing, trying to build reporting tools and ways of capturing data that make sense, uh, awesome. together with awesome. another three colleagues. So... I'm one of the four uh, lucky ones. Yeah, no, that's that's awesome. So then you're also working with individual teams in themselves. So let's talk about who you've had the pleasure to work with and, and, and what are some of the uniqueness to each one of those that's kind of been uh, a positive challenge as, as the, the position has evolved. Well, in general, in my career, I, I've worked with so many different sports, uh, and and every sport has got its own peculiarities, you know, demands and etc. Uh, the main thing you find is that the jargon is completely different. Uh, so you know what is described in fencing, it's it's a bit different to sometimes what is described in athletics and sprinting, and you, even within athletics, you see different things in sprint and endurance or sprints and jumps. So it's, um, it, it's really, really interesting. Uh, the added confusion to the issues is that in, in every country you go, there are sports that are better known than others. So for example, fencing in Italy is, is a very successful sport and, and there are a lot of places where it's actually the number one sport. Um, so it's a very important sport. Uh, but in Great Britain, it wasn't a big deal. Uh, and maybe in the United States it's such a small sport that it doesn't even reach mainstream, despite the fact that there are some very good fencers. So the, the importance then drives funding and then drives interest. So usually uh, 
sports that are very important in a country get well funded and they have uh, a lot of money, a lot of athletes, better coaches uh, and better support. So, so these are the kind of things you face. Um, the fencing program historically has been running here for a number of years, but we now have an Italian coach and we have a brand new program that has been built. So it will take a number of years to develop. The athletics program has been running for many, many years. And, you know, every once in a while, they had some very good talents on the world stage that were able to do some pretty good things. Uh, but, of course, the size of the population is such that it's impossible to have uh, one athlete world class in each in each event. You know, we, we, we're very lucky with what we got, I think. Um, Table tennis, again, historically has been here. Uh, it's a sport that is dominated by the Chinese and the Germans uh, worldwide. And, you know, the Chinese are next door to us, so it's incredibly challenging to try to break through even in Asia. Uh, we had some good results in the region. Some, so we have, a, I think, an athlete that is moving to play in Denmark uh, next year. So there has been uh, some good things there. Um, and then the squash program. Squash is a relatively small sport. But we had one of our best students uh, is uh, Abdullah Tamimi. He's currently training in the U.S. and he's, he's been climbing the ranks. He's been in the top 30 in the world. You know, he's a young guy that came out of the academy uh, and he was ranked in the top five in the world as a junior. So, so things are moving well. Uh, but in terms of coaching, the peculiarities here are even uh, uh, more interesting because we have a, a multicultural coaching staff. So we, we work with coaches from every single corner of the world, from uh, people in this area, in this region, so Egypt, Tunisia, Morocco, uh, to Italian, Croatians, Swedish, um, Australians, we, we, we're Canadians, we, we, we really have all sorts. It's, um, so, so you have to add all these complexities to, to, to the ability to work. But... The other problematic you have when working with different sports is that there are sports for which you can find a lot of information. So, you know, if you want to know something about soccer, there is plenty of research you can read, books you can find. But if you want to develop a young athlete in fencing, uh, you, you're struggling for information. There isn't much. So same for squash. Uh, it's challenging. So what we're trying to do is we are trying to build the knowledge in these sports together with the coaching staff. And, and we are trying to look at what, what are the gaps, what we don't know, and work with the coaching teams to, to actually put something in practice or try something new or document what the coaching staff does in order to build and share knowledge. I said we, a little bit of our work is research, and this is what we're doing. So, for example, we have now uh, we have two reviews that hopefully will be published soon on uh, uh, table tennis and squash where we analyze everything that is known about table tennis and squash and present some of the stuff that we are doing with particular reference to young athletes. Uh, and we're doing the same in every other sport and event. That's pretty awesome. So you're actually performing sports science in the sport. Yeah, we, we, we do it as we live it. So is the, it, it is the real deal. It's not uh, manufactured in, in the lab. It's actually... Happening this morning, we were. Um, uh, I was uh, calling a former colleague that, that left uh, a few months ago. And we're finishing up the analysis of last year's endurance work, and uh, we're trying to finalize the analysis of those data for publication. And it's very interesting that we saw a few things in the general preparation phase 
that com completely contravene what is written in uh, sedentary uh, children. You know, it's a different story when the kids are training 10, 12 hours a, a week as compared to kids that just watch TV. It's a completely different world. So we, we're trying to publish that too. Well, that's awesome. And, and I think that what's great about it is, you know, that's kind of turned into like the sexy term, like the sports science director. But when you actually have the guy sitting here doing the research, publishing the research, sharing the research that they're doing on actual high-level athletes, I think that's pretty awesome. Well, we we are immersed every day in uh, in this. It's, you know, I'm I'm wearing a tracksuit, as you can see. Uh, I just came uh, came back from uh, from the academy. We, you know. On a weekly basis, we we're into the field. You know, it's it's not only bringing athletes in the lab. We're going to training camps with them. We are, we are at training venues. We are into the gyms. Uh, every staff is actually research is, is is what we do when we have the time to do it, rather than the other way around. So we're not sitting on desks and theorizing about it. We are actually doing it, living it, living it every day. No, and that's that's awesome. So then we're actually going to start getting some actual science from the field, which is what I guess you could say a lot of people would 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 quander as being kind of like the issue with research at times is that typically coaches have been doing stuff and then the research about it comes out. I have to say this is this is something that we we kind of do too, you know, we some of the work that we are doing is also um, collecting information about what the coach is doing. You know, the coach is there to coach. They are not there to do science. And, and uh, we, we are very fortunate. We have some excellent coaches at the academy. Um, so, you know, we are there. We collect the data and then we tell them, okay, this is what you've done this week. Is this what you planned? Uh, and then they, they can go, yes, this is what I planned. Fine. Or they go, oh, actually, I thought. It was going a lot harder, but, you know, very simple things like we completely changed the way the squash coaches, rather than we, we changed, like we, we helped the squash coaches reflect on the content of their sessions so they could change the intensity because at times there were weeks where the intensity was not right or not what they thought it was going to be, but having the information helped them change. And, and you know, they, they're very, very... Uh, interested in this because they that changes how they work and you know all we need to do is just go there and measure learn push it back to them and then they can they can take the better decisions because they are the best qualified people to to take them we're just scientists we don't you know if i was good at coaching squash i'll be coaching squash <laughs> <laughs> but yeah but they, you know that's another thing that that's somewhat unique is it seems that people are extremely open to the collaboration between all the people there yeah, I think it's it's never easy. It's never a straight line. It's never an easy road. There is some rocky rocky roads at times, but it, I think we we are in a pretty good place there. We we're very fortunate with the things that we do, and there is there is a lot of curiosity in many of the many of the people. You know, I I've never worked full time with a fencing program before. I've done bits and bobs, but never full time. So being embedded every day in the fencing environment helps me understand how they operate how they think how they coach what they look for so i'm learning as well it's not uh, I'm, I'm not only giving something I'm, I'm taking something away and the same for the coaches they have some ideas we can try and 
we can experiment with things, we can be a bit creative on the training content side of things, and, and then we can reassess and decide if it's a good thing or a, or, or a bad thing. And it's the same with technology. We, I keep going back to the fencing uh, program, but we have um, uh, an outstanding guy in performance analysis and biomechanics, and he's developed a completely new analysis system. Um, and he loves fencing now, so it's, uh, it's even better. But even in athletics, um, this morning one of our technicians was building, was finishing up building a, a, a hammer that is instrumented with the load cell, so the coach can measure forces as the the, the athlete is rotating. So you know you don't get to do this in any other part in the world. It's pretty cool here. Yeah. yeah, no, that that's fascinating. So then I guess we can get out with this. So. In the next three years, as this is moving to being the best school in the world, as, as the goal is, where do you see this progress going? I, what I would like to see is uh, probably that we expand the program to other sports. Uh, it would be good to, to have a bit more sports. Probably another team sport would be a good idea. Uh, and then uh, probably that we start to you know, assess what, what's happening uh, and try to push out a bit of knowledge about how young athletes should be really trained because there is a lot of talk about it. You know, it's important. Young athletes need to train properly. There is too many injuries around the world. You know, all the epidemiology studies tell us that uh, kids are getting injured more and more and more. But the recommendations for training are too generic and they don't help anybody. So I think we need to, there is space for institutions like this to actually try to come up with or, or present what is actually happening and then be able to develop with other people around the world some solid guidelines that can be used for real. That's fascinating. And it sounds like it's actually like a ton of fun. Uh, it's, it's a ton of fun. It's uh, hard. <laughs> it's yeah. not easy. Uh, but it's, yeah, it, it's definitely fun. I, you know, we, I, I have some great colleagues here. I'm really enjoying the time and it's, it's always sunny, you know. I had 14 years of Great Britain where it was always raining, so, <laughs> so play now. Yeah, I mean, those those summers in England are a little different than the ones back in Italy, I'm sure. Yes. <laughs> but no, Marco, this is absolutely awesome, man, and I, I'm really happy to hear you're doing great down there and that things are progressing well. It's, uh, this is an awesome talk, buddy. I, I thank you so much for your time, and people are going to love this. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, man. So uh, we'll get this up here real soon, and, and we'll be in touch soon, buddy. I, I, again, good talking with you. Thanks again. How's everything with you? How's everything going there? Everything good? Yeah, man. You know, things are good. You know, we just had your your buddy Hawking over here for about a week, and uh, I mean, he's he's awesome, and it's uh, yeah, it's it's a blast, man. It really is. It's uh, and a huge thanks to Aspire Academy's Marco Cardinale for sitting down and talking with us today. Guys, the big thing, right, everybody always talks about sports scientists aren't in the, you know, working with top-level athletes, they're not in the trenches, coaching, whatever, that's what they're doing, and that's what they're trying to build, and to me, that's fascinating. I can't thank Marco enough for the open, honest sharing that he provided with us today, and just taking the time and, and, and rapping about what they've got going down there, man. It's, it's really awesome, really excited for them, really happy for what they're doing, and, and I, I truly hope you guys enjoyed the talk as much as I did. And as always, if you did, please share it through the social media outlet of your choice. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever it may be, guys. Just trying to spread the word, trying to get great information out to all the coaches out there. So if you did enjoy it, 
please hit the like button. Please share it for us. And if you haven't subscribed on YouTube, iTunes, and Podomatic, please go ahead and do that as well so you can stay up to date with everything that we're doing. And as always, guys, thank you so much for everything that you do for us here at Central Virginia Sport Performance. We'll be back next week with another awesome guest. We will see you then.